Hello, AP Human Geographers. Welcome to our, your Unit 1 test review. Uh, so this is different from the study guide that is posted and is due as a grade. Uh, just keep that in mind. Um, this is very specific to the test, and if you're looking for it, it is a document that is linked in the test section of Unit 1. So if you scroll down to the very bottom, you'll find the test section, and if you look in there, you'll see a linked part. You'll see a Word document that is the uh, test. So uh, I probably go overboard a little bit with tests that I don't personally make, and I probably give um, way too much information, but everything you see on there is a topic from the test question. So I go through the test, <clears throat> I look, and I look at the topics, uh, and I put it on there so you can see and you can study and you can prepare. Uh, for those things. So you can look these up yourself if you want to. Um, you know, it wouldn't hurt just for you to read a few things about these things. Uh, but I'm also going to go through everything uh, in this podcast. Uh, you can always reach out to me if you have questions uh, or concerns about any of it. But if you have the document, uh, just know that I'm running down it and I'm going to go through uh, in as much detail as possible. All right, so the first topic is spatial analysis of data sources. And you just need to remember uh, that this analysis is where it comes from, okay? And that's what this is getting at, <clears throat> is basically uh, what are the sources? Where do we get uh, the information from? And it could be any number of things. It could be uh, government agencies that are out there and you know, maybe the agency itself or maybe a report from the agency. Uh, it could be from databases. There are all kinds of databases out there with all kinds of information. Uh, census data is a great place to look. Uh, so all kinds of places uh, to get data sources for some of the spatial analysis. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. All right, the theory of environmental determinism. So first and foremost, the, the thing there is the creator of this and um, I should have put creators because there's multiple people that are associated with this. So uh, I'm going to run off a few names and then uh, we'll talk about the theory. But um, Ellsworth Huntington is one person that's credited with creating the, or, or let me say, not, not credited with creating it. Uh, all these people played a role uh, in kind of uh, coming to the conclusion that is this theory. So Ellsworth Huntington, uh, Carl Ritter, Frederick Ratzel, uh, Ellie Chandler Simple, I believe is the name. I, I, I sometimes struggle to read my handwriting, but I think that's what it says. It might be Ellen, uh, but Simple is the last name. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, they're all given some kind of credit uh, for coming up with this theory. Now, what is the theory? Well, this theory, environmental determinism, is going to be one that says that our behavior, so human behavior, uh, culture, uh, our societies uh, are basically influenced and controlled by our physical environment. Uh, this means that things like uh, you know, whatever kind of geography you can think of, climate, um, the different regions we might live in, uh, determine you kind of how we go, the our, how our cultures developed. Um, you know, uh, any, any number of things. And, and you know, think about it like um, if you live in a tropical region, you probably wear shorts and, and T-shirts all the time. You're probably not bundling up in, in snowsuits and, and vice versa. If you live in a, a cold region, you're not wearing that those that bathing suit and, and tank top all the time. You're going to be bundled up. And, and so, you know, that's 
kind of an oversimplification, but hopefully you get that picture there that our, our environment kind of determines um, some of the, the way we live and, and, and how we have developed. Now, <clears throat> I do want to point this out on this podcast. There are some people that criticize it. So just keep that in mind. Uh, it's not an ironclad theory uh, that exists. So there are some some, and I, I'm not going to get into them for this test because it's not something you really need to worry about. But I, I just want you to be aware that uh, you know, not everything is just this perfect uh, end-all, be-all type thing. All right, next up is formal region defines an area. So basically, um, we're, we're looking for characteristics or attributes uh, that are consistent and prevalent throughout uh, a formal region. Okay, uh, it is going to be defined by specific criteria or features that set it apart from neighboring area. So um, it could be uh, anything from physical to cultural to economic, uh, anything like that uh, as far as attributes go. Uh, we could also maybe get into economics, um, political, cultural, uh, any number of things to, to help define an area. So formal region defines an area and those are some of the things we might look for or use uh, in that uh, topographic map and a geographic information system representations uh, these are basically just tools that are used in geography and cartography uh, to depict and analyze spatial information so going back to that spatial analysis <coughs> you know how are we going to, to do this so we have the data up there uh, we might also get information from some of these tools as well uh, the maps and the GIS system. Uh, relative location uh, refers to the position of a place or location in relation to other places or features. Uh, so basically, uh, this is where we're going to describe where something is by comparing its location uh, to the locations of other nearby places. Uh, so um, I live near the city or I live near the mountains or I live near the lake or the coast or, or whatever it might be. Uh, so your relative location is I'm relatively close to this other geographic feature. All right. So for me, like I live in a neighborhood that has a clubhouse and a pool. So I tell people, because uh, it's a, a pretty big neighborhood, I'm like, I live pretty close to the, the clubhouse. And so that's my relative location. Latitude and longitude determine what location. Uh, basically, latitude and longitude, if you can understand, these are the, the basic determinants of absolute location uh, of a point on the, the planets. You know, that, that's what we use uh, is that latitude and longitude. Uh, we can find the exact location with the latitude and longitude. It's those coordinates you see in movies sometimes and things like that. Map scales uh, refers to the relationship between the distances on a map and the corresponding distances in the real world. Uh, so basically, it's going to, to give us an idea of, of how much whatever we're looking at uh, on the map, whatever feature or, or whatever uh, has been reduced in size relative to their actual size on the Earth's surface. So when you see maps to scale and things like that, it's, it's supposed to give you an idea of <coughs> how something is going to look and whatnot. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting a cold. I do apologize if I, if I, if I start coughing. Uh, the political geographic divisions within a country, pretty hopefully it's pretty simple. It's just how we kind of divide up, how the government uh, will divide up areas and regions and things like that. So, you know, in the United States, we're going to have the, the nation, 
America. Uh, and then we have the states. And then within the states, we have counties. Within the counties, we have cities, municipalities. Uh, Louisiana has parishes and, and just how we divide up uh, the different areas and things like that. Uh, projection, uh, that is the method used to represent the Earth's curved surface on a flat map. So um, it, it, we can't, you know, we can't put a, a circle, a globe uh, on a flat map. And so uh, when you see this, it's that, you know, the three-dimensional object uh, represented on a two-dimensional map. Uh, and, you know, just remember, we're going to get into distortions in just a second. Uh, there will be some distortions because of that. Um, the... Mercator projection versus Robinson projection. So you're going to get two different maps and you're going to have to kind of make some decisions uh, about, uh, you're going to look at them and have to figure out um, what's going on um, between the two. So when you see that question, I think it'll make more sense, but you'll have those two things there. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. All right, so we're picking up with map distortion on the study guide. Uh, and it's kind of similar to what we talked about with projection. Uh, it's just the fact that, you know, you're having to put a circular earth, all right, uh, onto a flat surface. And it's, there's going to be some distortions in the, uh, <clears throat> in the, uh, the projection uh, onto the, that, that surface. So, you know, it could be any number of things, area, shape, any, any kind of thing could be uh, distorted. All right, the map making science, uh, pretty simple. That is cartography. That is just the, the creation, the design, uh, and use of maps. So, you know, it sounds pretty simple, but, you know, obviously a lot of detail goes into to creating those maps that we see and love and, and, and want to use and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it can tell us a lot of information as well uh, with maps. Uh, you know, just taking a look at historical maps or uh, you can see economic data on maps or there's all kinds of things you can see on those things. And it all, all just depending upon what you're looking to make, you know, you, you can make, make them uh, as a cartographer. Uh, the prime meridian measurement is pretty simple. It is the zero degree longitude line that uh, runs from the North Pole to the South Pole. And it's kind of the starting point uh, for dividing the Eastern and Western Hemisphere. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, Jane, uh, excuse me, obtaining data about the Earth's surface from satellites. So uh, this is, at this point, for a geographer, pretty much the kind of, this, this is the standard of how we're going to get a lot of our, our data is by looking at satellite images um, and looking at the information. <coughs> and we can tell a lot from those satellite images and whatnot. Um, you know, we can look and, and we can see that uh, what land is used for, you know, wide open spaces. We can probably make a pretty good guess that's going to be farming. If we see, you know, high density of, of people living in a place, we can you know, probably say, well, that's probably a city. And, you know, so just the different things that we can take from uh, the satellite imagery uh, that we can get. Um, there's just uh, it's it's almost limitless to what we can look for or not look for but what we can look at and we can get this from several different sources um, you know nasa has tons of satellites out there um, european space agency other space agencies uh, there's all kinds of places to get that stuff from uh, gis and gps so two different uh, systems the gis 
is the geographic information system and uh <coughs> excuse me gps is the global positioning system uh and they're just you know technologies that that we uh and geographers uh, rely on to to collect and analyze uh data and gps uh, i i look back at my life and i grew up during a time and started driving during a time when there was no such thing as gps and i just wonder how did i get anywhere because uh i use the gps all the time now all right the first person to demonstrate earth was a sphere uh gonna go all the way back to the ancient greeks and uh aristotle is gonna be the first person uh and he'll use um some lunar eclipses and um some some other things that he watches um to to kind of determine uh, that the earth is going to curve, uh, as you, you get away from the, from, uh, you, as you're watching certain objects, uh, you start to see the, the, the earth curve, uh, situation identifies, identifies, identifies a place by, uh, describing its location in relation to other places or features. So, uh, it's a way of indicating where a place is located in relations to its surroundings neighboring places or significant geographic features um so situation you know i said earlier that i'll point out that to people hey i, I live uh close to the, the clubhouse uh of my neighborhood the, the pool area of my um of my neighborhood so that's situation and identifying where i live that way site is going to refer to the physical characteristics of a specific location so saying that i live close to the the clubhouse is the situation the site is actually what's going on at my house so hey my house is blue i have trees in front of my house there's a this type of car parked in front of my house so on and so forth so you actually give some specific attributes that people can look for when they're looking for whatever location. You know, it doesn't have to be a house. It can be whatever it is. Uh, and you give specifics. Uh, toppings. Toppings are place names, words, those sorts of things used to identify specific locations on the Earth's surface. Um, they provide uh, cultural, historical, linguistic characteristics of a region. All right. Uh, in our studies, uh, it's important to understand the relationships between people and culture uh, and the landscape. And so these topums, <coughs> excuse me, can provide some of that uh, background for that. Uh, and we can look at any number of things, um, cultural identity, um, cultural landscape, uh, language, uh, historical, uh, religious, cultural beliefs. All right. If um, we could just go on and on and on, politics, um, tourism, just all kinds of different things um, fall in there. All right, cultural landscape is the next thing. Uh, and that is the kind of the visible outcomes of interactions between humans and their natural environments. So uh, it is the physical features, the structures that get built, uh, the patterns on the Earth's surface that we as humans <clears throat> have shaped or transformed based on some of our cultural practices throughout time. And you can probably think of some of the historical uh, pieces that we can look at or think about or talk about uh, when it comes to the cultural landscape. Uh, the functional region, uh, also known as a uh, 
nodal region. Uh, this is a geographic area that is defined by a specific activity or function that occurs within it. All right. So uh, think about... Think about like a, a, an economic center, all right, uh, in a city. Uh, maybe not economic, that's too broad. Maybe like a, a banking industry or excuse me, banking area of a city or uh, the restaurant district or, or something like that. Uh, so a functional region is going to be the area that is determined by whatever the activity is. All right. That's what a functional region means. Um, like the airport in a city is going to be way away. All right. Um, and that's the airport area. And so you have the airport and then you have the airport industry stuff grow up around it, uh, like car rentals and hotels and things like that. So, uh, vernacular region, that's a geographic area that is defined by people's perceptions, feelings, and beliefs about a particular place. It is different from formal regions, uh, that have clear and objective boundaries based on, specific criteria, uh, vernacular regions are not really going to have those specific boundaries and they're going to be more um, shaped by uh, culture, social, personal factors and things like that. So think about some of the regions in the U.S. I, once again, I, you know, I'm going back to the U.S. <clears throat> I know there are people from outside the U.S., but uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, like the Midwest, the the Southeast, the Northwest, um, you know, some of those things are, um, when we say Southeast, well, you know, how far does the Southeast go? And, and it, it's, it gets into more about the, the culture than it does necessarily the geographic boundaries. Globalization is pretty easy. That's just the, the interconnectedness we all see and, and, and deal with, uh, when it comes to just, you know, whatever you want to talk about, whether it is global trade, whether it is the fact that you can, you know, get on social media and talk with someone across the world. Uh, it is just that interconnectedness and interdependence that we have uh, with people from around the world. Uh, the German philosopher Immanuel Kant, uh, his contributions include all kinds of different fields, uh, a whole bunch of different things, philosophy, ethics, whatnot. Uh, and he wrote a book that is going to explore the nature of human knowledge and how our perception and understanding of the world are shaped. So basically, uh, he's talking about, you know, how geography is going to affect uh, our understanding of the world. Uh, distribution, that's the arrangement of spread of people, objects, features across the geographic area. Uh, basically, you know, we see people living in different areas and, and how are they, how, how do we, how are they distributed? Are they tightly packed in there? Uh, is it, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different uh, or a whole bunch of land separating people. Uh, just how do we distribute um, uh, people, basically? Uh, spatial distribution. That is going to be basically the uh, the data, you know, and, and when we look at the distribution of uh, people, what kind of analysis can we make? Hey, are, are, if they're tightly packed in, we can probably make a pretty good guess that that's a city. If they're spread out, we can probably make a guess that that's probably farmland and things like that. So, you know, that's kind of simplified analysis. But when we look at the distribution of people and places, 
we can do spatial distribution by uh, making some analysis and educated guesses. Uh, cognitive discipline, uh, that's just the rela related fields of um, geography, some of the, the different theories that are out there. Uh, but, you know, you have all kinds of things that are related <clears throat> to geography. Uh, and, and you can get almost tie anything to geography. You can almost look at anything um, and say, well, hey, that's part of human geography. That's part of human geography. So economics, politics, sociology, anything, all those kinds of things. All right, almost done here. Uh, George Perkins Marsh, George Park Perkins Marsh's book, Man and Nature. Sorry. Uh, it is going to be published in the 1860s. Uh, and it's really about just the, the human impact that we have on the natural environment. Uh, you know, what are we doing um, and how are we affecting uh, the environment? And one of his things he writes about is, you know, like deforestation. Back then, cut down trees and just cut down trees and cut down trees and never replant. So, you know, we, stuff like that. Uh, distance decay, the idea that the interaction between place Places diminishes as the distance between them increases. Uh, it's a concept that's fundamental uh, in spatial interaction and helps explain how uh, people move, communication happens, trade, cultural diffusion are influenced by geographic distance. Obviously, the closer we are, the easier it is to communicate and work together and all that kind of stuff. The further apart we get, the more difficult it becomes. Uh, I'm going to say this person's name wrong. And I, I hate it. I hate not being able to, to say things correctly. Um, Eratosthenes, uh, and that that's as close as I can get, I think. Uh, but he's going to calculate the Earth's circumference uh, using some some methods with shadows and angles and you know some math stuff. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of math. Exploration of the Portuguese along the coast of Africa. Uh, this question I struggled with what to to put here as a a topic. Um, just understand that you know, you're going to have to be able to figure out well, what was the the effect uh, of them beginning to explore, and one of the the effects was the the start of the the slave trade uh, during the the 15, 16s, and 1700s, uh, and then finally regions. Uh, these are just a concept, uh, and we classify the Earth's surface based on regions. So you know it could be any number of things. It could be uh, the region of the mountainous areas, the regions of uh, culture, the, you know, we have the, the Appalachian region here uh, in the, the southeast. Uh, it's just any number of things, uh, but it's based on, you know, what's going on around uh, that area and whatnot. Okay, lastly, you have image analysis and map analysis, and all that means is there's going to be some images on the test that you'll have to look at and, uh, you know, kind of analyze, and you'll have also some maps that you have to look at uh, and analyze. So the test is 50 questions, um, and let me know if I can help you with anything, if you have any questions or concerns. All right, guys, take care. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you uh, after Labor Day. All right, bye-bye. Take care.